0: I've been teaching you about joy and the joy of of this year that many of you have walked in great grief and pain for a long time. And so I'm teaching you right now that 2019 is your year of joy. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you're just going to be sad in 2020, okay? What I'm saying is, is that we are recovering. Does that make sense to anyone? Some of you are recovering joy, learning what joy is. And we've went to uh, great lengths already to begin to rediscover the joy that the Lord wants us to have. And we're looking in Luke 4, 18, which is the prophecy from Isaiah, which the Lord Jesus is reading. Jesus is reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He spoke this in church one day, all right? That would be your context. He opened it up, and it wasn't like he looked up Luke chapter 4, verse 18, or looked into Isaiah and found a chapter and a verse. That's not what happened he opened up the scroll and he moved through the great scroll of Isaiah. There were no numbers, okay, right? He wasn't going to a particular verse. He went to it, opened up the prophet Isaiah and read it and said, this day, this day, this is fulfilled in your years. So this is the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, it's the time of the Lord's favor. It's the time of the Lord's favor. We're going into a season. And so when we hear year of the Lord's favor, it's not the same context As you, when you say a year. Because Jesus has come, it's the season that we're in. So today, uh, we're going to talk about spiritual renewal. uh, And I want to talk to you about the unity that we can have in the spirit today. And tell you that there is joy in spiritual unity. There's joy in spiritual unity. I'm saying, you may not all be the same in some ways. But there is joy in... Spiritual unity, and that's 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 what we're attaining to. That's where we're rising to. We're looking at John seventeen. Uh, this is the prayer of Jesus. Some people think the Lord's prayer is "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name." And I and I received that, but that was his teaching prayer. That was an outline of prayer. All right, that's all it was. It was an outline. If, if that's all you pray, you need to work on that, all right? So that was an outline. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying and the prayer is recorded. And here's what, here's what Jesus says. He's, in his prayers, he's praying to the Father. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Amen. So so listen, I want you to get this as we're reading this. uh, So Jesus is praying and in this one prayer that we receive, I mean, if you would have Jesus pray for something, how many believe that Jesus knows what the priority should be? All right. So here's his priority. Here's where he goes. He goes directly to this. He says, I want all of them to be one as father as you and I are one and he he says uh, he's praying for them he's praying for the disciples but he begins by saying my prayer is not just for those in the room right now I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their message so he was get this Jesus was praying for me in John chapter 17 he was praying so we get a snapshot of what's going on how many know the Lord Jesus is still praying for us does anybody know that? He's still praying for us. He sits next to the Father and he prays for us. He is, the Bible says, forever making intercession for those of us who believe. And here's what he's praying. I pray that you would be one. And there's a reason for this. Look at what he goes on to say. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So I want you to be one, not only with one another, but one with the Father and one with the Son, so that, because if this doesn't happen, people won't believe. I don't know if you're hearing me, okay? He's saying, if we don't get this unity thing together, there's not going to be any joy in the body, and nobody's going to come to the body of Christ. Would you not agree with me that in the history of the church, the division in the house of God has perpetuated a loss of growth in the kingdom of God. The division, the segregation, the constant offense, those kinds of things that, that don't allow us to come together. It, we say, well, you know, it's all about me. No, it ain't all about you. you. We need to get together so that the world will come together. The world is supposed to see that we are brothers and sisters and he says I have given them the glory that you have gave me that they may be one as we are one now you get that scripture I've given them the glory what is the glory the glory is all of the it is the entourage of Jesus It's everything that comes with Him. It is the power. It is the Spirit of God. It is the healing. It is the wisdom. It is the gifts. He says, I have given them the glory that they may be one. You say, well, I just can't can't be one with people. Then what you need is to say, Jesus, I receive your glory. Just say it. I receive your glory. Because you are bankrupt spiritually. You don't have the ability to do it on your own. Am I right? If it wasn't for Jesus, some of you wouldn't be sitting here listening to this guy talking right now. Didn't have to say amen so loud, but yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm telling you that he has given us spiritual money. He has invested, invested in us so that we can be one. And he says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to, he doesn't say unity here. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now wait, do you see what else just happened? He says, there, how many know that there are people that don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Now the witness that Jesus is the Son of God is the unity that all of us have. Amen. What? Oh, Are you serious? Really? You, you're telling me that you believe in Jesus, but you, don't, but you hate your brother? That is evidence that Jesus must not be... Because if that's what Christians are, I don't want to be one. All those Christians do is fuss and fight with each other and divide and split, can't get along. That's, that's evidence to, the, to a broken world that Jesus is not who he said he is. But if Jesus is the Lord and we have been saved by grace through faith through Jesus then we are now all the children, am I right? We are the children of God and as the children of God we must show the unity that we have with one another and with the Father and the Son. How many believe what I'm saying is true? Anybody believe that? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So, uh... Praise God, I already preached. So, my purpose today is to invest in you unity, the spirit of unity, and that you would have joy in that spiritual unity. Tomorrow, we'll be celebrating the national holiday of Martin Luther King Jr. It is an important day. Somebody shout amen. Amen. When I was a boy, we didn't have that holiday, Uh, but, uh, you know, I was... Goodness, when I was seven years old, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Uh, I, I'm looking at this day, it is because uh, this is the, uh, his birthday was on the 15th of January. And so it ends up being the third uh, Monday. So it'd be the Monday after his birthday is the national holiday I uh, I was seven years old in April of 1968, uh, lived in Midvale, Ohio, and if you don't know what was going on in April of 1968, uh, well, I'll tell you, I was sitting in the house watching our black and white TV, and um, my father pastored a little church in northern Ohio, Midvale, Ohio, he pastored there for a couple of years, I remember the evening news was there on our black and white television in the front room of our parsonage anybody know what a parsonage is? because that's where we were living it was clear that there was a problem between the blacks and the whites and the segregation of public schools had already been declared unconstitutional there were still all white schools and all black schools and every Sunday of my life up until that point I had went to an all white church and attended anybody, anybody know where I'm coming from? And attended an all-white uh, school, and every it, it was normal. It was my it was my normalcy. It was the normal that we had inherited, and protests were everywhere, and the world was enraged. And then on April fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and it was a horrendous day. And we felt all around. Everyone felt the pain and felt the wrong of this. And then just. Uh, Uh, A a few months later, uh, two months later, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. And here I am, seven-year-old boy, watching people laying in the street and watching the protest and the death. And I I didn't understand it all. There were people that were dead, but, you know, the Mandisa song kind of prophetically showed up when I was just seven years old. Anybody know the song I'm talking about? Her and Kirk Franklin sing, we all bleed the same. We're all beautiful when we come together. And I, you know, I'm looking at those particular moments in my, in my boyhood. It was just five years before Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated that he stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and before thousands of people who had experienced discrimination and, and bondage, he spoke to what he called the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation and how I loved his words. Jesus. How I love his words. The sound of Reverend King's voice and the power of his words are iconic now in this generation. But more so, it was a sermon from a preacher delivered on a national platform like it had never, ever been delivered before. In the background as he preached were sounds of the congregants, a massive number of people who were believers who would shout, Yes, Lord, help us, Lord? And on occasion, just hear a mmm. As he preached the word, it was though the mall there in DC had been transformed into a house of prayer. And Martin prophesied the possibilities in the path, the unity of a people that had been ostracized and abused and beaten down. But rather than live in the fence, They dealt with the injustice as Christians, as believers. He spoke about the path of love and he said, let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. The path of hope he spoke about. And he quoted Isaiah 40 and he said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places shall be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. And he said this, This is our hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Then he called out the governor of Alabama. Said, one day right there in Alabama... Little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. Well, I went up twice today, looked upstairs to the Freedom Kids ministry, and I watched your children standing there without any recognition or worry about the color of their skin, loving Jesus and singing together. And he concluded with the song of joy, saying, if we stay on this path Well, I can't say it like he can. I can try, but... When we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and singing in the words of the old Negro Spirit. Come on. Free at, free at last. last. Free, free at, at last. last. Somebody shout, Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Come on. He made a difference. Somebody praise God. He made a difference. In this moment, He is describing a joyful place that is only produced by spiritual people. The song Free at Last is a hymn of of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know again that this was a spiritual moment in our nation. It had grown out of the reformation. Reverend King was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus and throughout the message on unity and freedom he continued to draw from God's word. Here he draws from Galatians when he talked about Jews and Gentiles and he said in Galatians 3.26 for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Listen I know in our nation we can't seem to find enough reasons to get together. No we can't find enough reasons to segregate. We got people marching in the street over racism and marching in the street over sexism. Come on brothers and sisters men and women we are all one black white we are all one uh, through Jesus Christ. I wish I could fix this in the nation, but I can't. But I must be able to fix this in the church. Because this is a message to the church. We're all children of God. And when we are baptized in Christ... There is no room for racism and sexism. One man is not more bound than another. One man is not more divided than another. We are all heirs of the same promise. You are not less than, neither are you more than. We are all the same seed of Abraham. Listen, church, that's where the joy is. This is the word of the Lord and the call of the Lord there in John chapter 17 and 20. Do you know what that is You know what's more beautiful about the church of the Lord Jesus than anything? Our unity. Somebody shout, our unity. No, shout it, our unity. What makes us beautiful. I mean, we can come in all dressed up and looking sharp and sing on key and have nice harmony, but without unity, we're really ugly. I'm so thankful that we're a diverse church. Anybody else? Well, we are a church of many nations. The fact is, through Christ... We are not nearly as different as you might think because we are all one in Jesus Christ. So we lose our division when we focus on Jesus. And this is the problem with the world that we live in. They are trying to embrace something that is only possible through Jesus. And we ask ourselves this weekend, why after all of these years do we still have racial bias And victimization and the need for women to march in the street. Our nation needs Jesus. We're trying to solve spiritual problems with earthly solutions. We're trying to solve these things, not the way that God calls us to. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. What have we received? The spirit that is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And look at verse 13. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy, which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the natural man, you see me? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind. What do we have? So we should have one mind. Right? We have one mind. We have what? The mind of Christ. Look at verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 3. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Anybody ever has somebody, I'm just a man. I'm not. I'm not just a man. I'm a spirit man. So I'm only human. I am not only human. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? I am not only human. As long as you see yourself like that, you will continue to think that way. I am born again by the Spirit of God. I have, come on, I have, a, I have a spirit jumping up and down on the inside of me. I know you think I'm getting old. You're looking at that nine-year Facebook thing, you know, to see how you've aged. And Listen, on the outside, yes, but on the inside, I'm running laps around people right now. I... There is great joy in spiritual unity. This is simply what God does. You are not just men and women. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. do make me re-preach this, all right? But I will. All right, here we go. I am not just a man, all right? I am not just flesh. What you see is not what you get. I am body, soul, and spirit. Amen. I did not have a spirit, but when, I, when Jesus chased me down and I accepted his love, he came and when I confessed him as my Lord, I received a new spirit. Now you might say, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is is that we are body, soul, and spirit. The, 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 the spirit is, is, is more than you realize. You see, in my flesh... This is my flesh. Just to give you a, This is my flesh. My flesh doesn't like any kind of pain. It doesn't. It doesn't. And if you smart off to me, my flesh will smack you. All right? Because I was born in the flesh. And so my mind, my soul, which is my mind, my will and my emotions responds to how my flesh wants to respond. But then I get saved and I have a spirit and now there is a struggle that's going on between my flesh and my spirit. And sometimes I surrender my, my flesh, I surrender my, my soul to the flesh. Because the flesh says, you ain't going to take that no more from nobody. And you have got all riled up and you're all messed up and you're all full of anger and rage. And there's division in you. If you would hush for a minute and meditate on the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God would tell you the truth. Because I also have a spirit man that's like my flesh, only it's spirit. And it has ears to hear heaven. Come on. And eyes to see what God is wanting to do. It has that. So my spirit man needs to take control so that I respond spiritually rather than responding physically. ain't getting nobody. Anybody want to have church today? Anybody? You hear what I'm saying? How much more peace would you have in your life if you would obey the spirit rather than obeying the flesh? Question is, is your spirit or your body the master of your soul? Your soul is the throne, it is the seat of your um, emotions, your thoughts, and your will. It's the will, your will is right there. So you are deciding that that eternal part of you. So when your soul is full of sin and wounds, it has a tendency to respond more to the body than it does the spirit. And you live carnally, fleshly rather than spiritually. First Corinthians 2.14 says, The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. They are foolish to him. So I'll walk up to you and I'll tell you what the spirit wants you to do. But you'll look at me, well you don't know what the spirit wants to do And you act like you got all kinds of discernment and stuff. But really, your flesh... I'm just preaching the truth. Your flesh is in control right now. And and really what we need to do is get completely saved. Can I get an amen to somebody? The work of salvation is more than just confessing confessing Jesus. Some of you are saved by grace and you have your heaven ticket punched, but you're living in the flesh and not by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants of God. He wanted to talk to the Corinthians. They just couldn't take it because if they, he talked to them spiritually, they just didn't get it because they're still babies, whining and crying and wanting to be fed earth food rather than spirit food. And so we use the term salvation, and we don't even know what salvation means. If you look carefully at the study of salvation, salvation is the word sozo. Anybody heard this before? And it means rescued, delivered, preserved, healed, mentally and emotionally renewed. So some of us pray to prayer, but we still haven't been delivered yet. Come on. You got rescued, but you're not preserved yet. You got, you got some deliverance, but you still got all of these inner wounds. And you're mentally, emotionally still living in the past rather than in what God wants you to live in. Come on, Pastor Rick. Preach something to us. Romans 12 and 1, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. What? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means spirit tells my soul that flesh is now dead on the altar of God. Take your body down to the altar and lay it down and say, this body doesn't have authority over me anymore. My spirit man has authority over me. Jesus. But our minds are so deeply wounded. We struggle with this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many know you need your mind renewed? Anybody know that? So why do I need my mind renewed? One of the reasons is because I'm so conscious of my wounds and you say well I don't even think about them I know you never dealt with them you just shut up about it and so now it lives in your subconscious so you're responding in different ways you're manifesting certain actions in your life you're manifesting them because you never dealt with some stuff that God wanted you to deal with you say well no it's not in my subconscious I don't even think about it anymore and I'm just lying to yourself and now it's all the way down in your unconsciousness Filters all the way down. You can't even rest at night. You don't even know why you can't sleep. And it can, can begin early in life. I know spiritually it can begin early in life. The Bible says that John the Baptist, while he was in his mama's womb, uh, when, when Mary, pregnant, walked into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth... Yell said, "The baby leapt inside of me when you walked in the house." That's what I don't want my kids to do. Anybody? I want the next generation to go ahead and stand up and sing. You're my brother and you're my sister. I want them right now because wounds are passed down generationally as well. Your parents did not overcome, and so you're still in bondage. That that we are. A, that we ourselves that this community uh, is is a multi-ethnic church is miraculous. We are in the South. We have ancestors that use derogatory words for one another. Generational wounds cause racism. Racism doesn't have a political answer. It has a spiritual one. So here's the truth. There is joy in the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout amen. Amen. And that's our theme. Jesus came to heal us and His healing is not confined to the body and the spirit alone. That's what we talked about in Isaiah 61. He wants to impact you. He wants to bring favor and blessing on you. Which helps us to understand that the problem with our culture is everybody was offended with everyone. Offense is the enemy of unity. Come on, am I telling the truth? it is the enemy of unity in Matthew chapter 5, 23 therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come to offer your gift now I'm not sure I even like that scripture anybody, you know what I'm saying I mean, okay I got, I'm at church right now, Jesus leave me alone I want to, let me talk about offense for a moment but let's get real Dysfunctional is comfortable. Am I right? Dysfunction is my comfortable norm. God wants people to be whole, but in our lives we often hide our pain. But you can't hide it very well because pain is nearly always responsible for your addictive behavior. Come on. Pain has become the norm. Family wounds, victimization, family secrets about your daddy and the perpetrators of your past. People are regularly offended because they have undealt with pain. And that brings about their breakdown. You may have never cried about what happened to you. But you will certainly yell and fuss and scream at your husband or your wife. And you can't figure out why. You say, why are you so angry? I'm not on drugs. Yeah, you are. You're on a drug called anger. And you can't manage it. You get so easily offended. You say, why am I in so many relationships? Why am I always having sex with somebody I shouldn't be with? Because that's your drug to deal with the wounds that are in your life. Preach. This is, you can't, you can't. Listen, and you can't be held accountable because you can't manage your anger. You you, can't, you you get so easily offended. You can't be held accountable for nothing because accountability keeps you away from your drug of choice. Somebody calls you out, which you have been, you know, your drug, your hiding, you've been using to manage your inner wound. Easily offended people are often people who have undealt with offense. Like there's some people... Like uh, John Brady was here first service, and I walked up and hugged him. And then I thought I gotta be careful hugging him because he had that shoulder surgery a couple months back, and he does not wear and all the stuff. But I said, "How's how's that shoulder?" Well, it's okay. And I know what that means. That I means don't hug me too tight. All right. <laughs> and uh, some some of you got some old wounds too. Amen. Amen. And people come in and they want to hi- they want to give you a hug. But this is hey, see this this area right here. <laughs> see that. That's my space, okay? And then they start talking to you from over to fence. And you say, okay, I hear you, but stay over there. I'm going to walk over here so I can't hear you so well. Be- Come on. Because words hurt. Come on. Why should I leave my gift at the altar? God is saying, your worship is toxic when you refuse to bring healing to the body. So I'm going to praise God, but I don't care if half these people go to hell. Amen. Is that too heavy? Is that too thick? Like I love Jesus, just don't love you or you or you. I remember growing up with angry people. Went to some little churches and people I'd stay away from. Because it was like, anybody grow up a long time ago in church, it's like, it's like all those, I, I can offend them way too easy. All right. It was usually like little religious things or something. So I keep secrets from certain people because I knew they couldn't handle the fact. Uh, okay, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Psalm 119. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When you fall in love with the Word of God, if the Word of God is in control, it will bring balance to your life. And I know you want me to get real right now, but I deal with junk All the time as a pastor. And I learned from my predecessor, I learned that the more sheep you have, the bigger shovel that you need. But I learned years ago when we had horses as kids, if you want if you're gonna if you're gonna have horses, you have to be willing to clean the barn. And here's something else you may not know. All the horses needed their stall cleaned. Come on. Some of these nice little horses that would only do their business. No, no. Every horse we ever had, somebody had to go in their stall with the shovel and the pitchfork and do the work. And everybody, come on. Here's some balance. Just because you were the victim in one situation doesn't mean you were not the victimizer in another. Listen to yourself. Listen to your social media banter sometime. I hate it when people talk about me that way. Okay, let's pull up all of your text messages from the last decade. See what you had to say. I'm just reasoning with you. Some of us are so angry, so bitter, so filled with chaos that you can't even serve the Lord. i found that I need to choose what I will allow to distract me from the Lord. Anybody in the house with me? Yes. Jesus, I have to choose. I have to choose. Proverbs nineteen eleven: A man's wisdom gives him patience. It it is to his glory to overlook an offense. What? A man's wisdom gives him patience. My lack of passion speaks of my, my lack of patience. Speaks of my lack of. Wisdom comes from the Lord, right? So I'm going to get wisdom from the Lord and from His Word. And because I'm, My lack of patience speaks of my lack of... Come on. Your offense is related to your focus. An offense becomes seed. And your meditation upon that offense gives it roots. Proverbs 23 and 7. For as a man thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In your mind, your will, your emotions, whatever you meditate on will manifest in your life. I'm, medf- festin- I- I'm-, I'm-, I'm meditating upon the Lord. How many know He's going to show up? I'm meditating upon His Word. He's going to show up. I'm meditating on what somebody said, what somebody did. If all, You know this. If all you meditate on is lust, it will show up. In your bedroom. Or somebody else's. If you focus on forgiveness, you will find a way. If you focus on reconciliation, it will happen. Let me give you an action step to overcome offense. Intentionally believe that there is good people you do not like. I'm going to take it further. Intentionally believe that there is good in people that you don't like anybody anybody receive that ain't no good in it ain't nothing good in them there's there's nothing good in them at all They they are they are demonic they are full of Satan I need to stay come on you see what I'm saying pastoring can be tough you know why because people will dump me because I refuse to hate the people they hate come on Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we have to get past our offenses offended people are in a spiritual prison and when you're when you're offended it gives you demonic permission to do things that you would not otherwise do like drop out of church i ain't going back there i'm offended or stop giving like, come on, that's, that's between you and God. I mean, you need to understand when you stop giving, you say, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I thought you were giving to God. And then you avoid people and look for faults in those that you disagree with. Well, not only is that true, but this and this and this and this and this is true as well. And you look for validation for your unwillingness to repent of your own sin or to reconcile. You can't even pray because you can't hear the Holy Spirit. You say, I hear the Holy Spirit. No. If you can't forgive somebody, God doesn't hear your prayers, and you've shut down your communication with heaven. That's why you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. I heard the Holy Spirit. No, I know you think you heard the Holy Spirit. You heard a spirit all right. Because when he shows up, you're so angry, so full of yourself. You refuse to let Him show up and humble you. That's what the Holy Spirit says in Matthew five twenty four. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. That's a humiliating thing. And then go and be reconciled. Then come and offer your gift. God, don't play that. You need to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm not saying don't hold people accountable for godlessness. That's not what I'm saying. Say just let people get by. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a spiritual path and a spiritual direction for that. Come on. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. You may not be the one that needs to go to them. You might need to talk to somebody who's spiritually over you or spiritually leading you, but perhaps you are their brother or your sister and you need to take somebody by the hand and help them. Sometimes people are just looking for opportunities to be offended. Don't get stuck in yesterday. Stop being offended at somebody's Facebook status. It ain't about you. It's about their own mess. Do you see what I put on Facebook? Do you see what you were thinking about? Get to the place where you say, I'm really not offended about what you did. I'm more offended about who I am. I'm more offended at those inner wounds that control me, my pain and my choices. It's the year of joy. Somebody shout it's the year of joy, and offense will steal your joy, brother. Brother Martin Luther King Jr., he would sit down, and they would carry him and put him in jail. But he spoke regularly about it. He he spoke. Anybody remember the nonviolence? Anybody remember that nonviolence? He would not. He was not destroying anybody's property. He just knew that there was injustice and it needed to be dealt with, and this world needed to be held accountable. And so he just sat. Down and he would sit down somewhere, get arrested for it, and love the police officer and the judge and those that screamed in him. I I love John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. Anybody else love that book? And how many have ever read that? The Bait of Satan. Now the, the interesting part of that is the word for offense. The word offense is the word scandalizo, where we get the word scandalize. Which means to entrap. So here's what offense is. So you know. Offense is a trap. I'm nervous setting it right now. I am. I'm going to set this thing. How many have ever set one? And this this one this isn't for a mouse. This this for like a roof rat or something, you know. Them things about this long. Alright. This is a trap. Alright. This is a trap. Help me, Jesus. Some of y'all pray. Some of y'all pray. Come on, somebody pray. Help him, Jesus. I would hate to lose a finger right in the middle of this message. Oh. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So that's what offense is. Listen, you need to be careful lest you offend your brother. And you'll notice in this teaching, Jesus says, I want you To go be reconciled. You say, well, what if it was him? What if I, maybe it was me. Look, the idea is he's setting you all up to stop living legalistically. He's saying, you always say, if you call somebody a fool, that you're in danger of hellfire. I, you know, just, you know, you understand? Let me just take you a little bit deeper. If you're at worship and you feel like there is a fence with somebody, go deal with it. And then, when you say, I'm not going to, and you just leave it set there at the altar. Come on. You're living, you're living in dangerous territory. Because the trap has been set. The trap has been set. You've got to be careful where you walk right now. Because the, the just a the false move. Listen, can I tell you something about that trap? It's not there. It's not there to hurt a rat. It's there to kill a rat. You put cheese there on that little piece in the front. Okay, peanut butter is much better. We use peanut butter as well. That's why I won't eat peanut butter. I always think it's a trap. Almond, butter, something that smells. So you put it right there, and it might be a word. You can set it from long distance. Now, that one was hard to set, but you can set it long distance. You can say something to somebody who will say something to them. You can get long distance offense. You know what I'm saying? You can go to dinner after church today and set a trap. Just some brothers and sisters sitting around saying, I'm just telling you this so we can pray for each other. No, when you tell something negative about somebody else, it's usually so that you will look better than them. And the enemy is using you to trap somebody. Come on, Pastor Rick. And when it finally goes off, when it finally goes off, and you're in the trap, You need the Holy Spirit to set you free and resurrect you. I'm talking to some marriages right now. You're so offended with each other. And I'm telling you, it's the devil. You need to forgive one another and reconcile. I'm talking about some past relationships. You're trying to move on, but you're still angry at your ex so much that you can't even move on to the next step in your life. you got to get past some mess. I know you were hurt, you were wounded like me. You might have been victimized. But, folks, you can't carry that in your soul the rest of your life and expect to walk in peace and walk in joy and walk in health. you got to forgive people, and get past the offense. I know, I know in aging. I know. You know, Anybody getting older besides me? Anybody just me? I'm the only one? As you get older, you realize that there are certain parts of the body that hurt. And it's not working the way it used to. Because And before you would feel pain. When you were younger, you'd feel pain. And you'd say, ah, whatever. Right? But now you're older and it starts hurting. You say, I'm going to take that to my grave. I'm telling you, that's not what this spiritual pain is like you're feeling it, stop getting comfortable with your dysfunction. Take it to the Lord Jesus. Here, let me give you some, give me some practical areas with dealing with some of this negativity. Okay, one, focus on positive things, no matter how small they may appear. That's what God wants you to do. Focus on some positive things. Change negative self-talk into positive self-talk. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. This is not what God wants for me. And surround yourself with positive people. Stay in the present, stop living in yesterday. be thankful no matter what is happening. God is still good and ask the Holy Spirit to heal your damaged emotions. I got to finish can, can I finish this Joyful unity is evidence of the Holy Spirit it 's evidence of the Holy Spirit looking in acts thirteen fifty two the Bible says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Whew. Joy and the Holy Spirit. Now, the context here is this: Paul and Silas, right, Paul and Barnabas, had been kicked out of Antioch. And the Bible says they shook the dust of their feet off. Amen. All right? And we think, we can see them coming I'm, I'm leaving here. I'm shaking the dust of my dust off my feet. That's not what it was. What they're saying is they're not going to take that offense into their next ministry. When they left, they didn't leave. They didn't leave the gate of the city saying, Hey! Hope y'all burn! I'm done with you! Delivering y'all over to the devil! Didn't do that. They went on and preached in the next city some of you can't get to your next assignment because you're still stuck in your last and you have no joy in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will not partner with offense that's why do you, you understand that's why the church was segregated right That's why the church, we used to be segregated. That's why some of you went to an all-black church for a long time, or all-white church, and and you say, well, what was that about? It's generational. It's not what we wanted to do. It's just generational. It came out of a sin of a church. Because even before the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, people were integrated in certain places. And they had church together. And in certain denominations... Uh, every You know, black men were preaching the gospel, and, and you know historically that was going on. But in a particular church, they built a gallery, like a balcony in the church, a special one, and told people when they walked in, the white people could sit on the floor, but the black people had to go and sit in the gallery. And they knew that wasn't of God. All right? So that's how the AME church was formed. That's why you have the African Methodist Episcopal Church. It was formed out of that. It wasn't that our black brothers and sisters wanted to be segregated. It was, it was somebody else that had a church building, but had a fence inside of them, and judgment inside of them, and racism inside of them, and they allowed it to grow up to such a place that they were willing to actually profane the house of God. Jesus. Is it any less if you build a gallery for somebody? There's somebody who say, well, I don't mind being, I ain't gonna get anywhere. Come on. If that church would have had the Holy Spirit, we may never have had to have that gathering at the mall with Martin Luther King Jr. If that church would have stood solid and said, ain't no way we're going to allow the enemy to come and separate us because we are one. Come on, we are one. There is no difference. We are one. We are all children of the Most High God. (laughs) Joyful unity is evidence of the Holy Spirit. God wants His church to be anointed with joy. And that's what we've experienced at Freedom. This is a joyful place. Jesus wanted us to win the world. And that's why he said in our text in Luke 17, I want you to be one so when the world sees you, they will know that I am who I say I am. There's enough brokenness in the world. Our spiritual unity is evidence that we belong to Jesus. You are my brother. You are my sister. Okay. I need to finish this. Would you stand with me? Stand with me. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. Now tell somebody else you love them. Tell somebody. Yell across the room. I love you. Okay. Now listen. I want to, I want to pray with you before I close this service. So I'd like as many as I can to come in unity. Even if you've got old wounds in your heart, I'd like you to come and stand up here at the front. Stand up here. As many as will. I got, I got some... I got some Unique anointing that I want to do right now. So come right on down. Squeeze up to the front. I was looking at some scripture. (laughs) Psalm 133, verse 1. Read this with me. Come on, come close. Squeeze in, come close. Behold. Just read it. I'll come back. You guys read it. Read it. Behold. Read it. Unity is like what? It's like precious oil. So it was unique oil. And you find the man of God. And Moses, who got the word from God, took Aaron, the high priest, and he poured it over him. He he didn't anoint the way we anoint. We do this. Mm -hmm. I didn't get too much on you, did I? No. Okay. All right. All right. right. So he anointed them, but it was poured. It was a horn of Mm -hmm. oil. That was poured upon him, and it was a special fragrance. It could not be duplicated. It was a special fragrance. So Aaron, when he walked in the room, okay, it wasn't like bad cologne. I mean, it was like the presence of God. Okay, and just all the way down to his feet, dripping off of his clothes, you know. And so he said, he said, he said, when my when brethren dwell together in unity, there is anointing that flows over all of them together you receive that? Yes. When we dwell in unity, there are things that we can do because we're in unity that would never be done. Say, the people still, they, they come to me and they say, how, how do you have so many people at that little church there in Virginia Beach? Well, they fill it up, two services. And we have three services. And we have a bunch of them that come to the third service. And Well, how do you do that? And I can't. And often I'll say, well, maybe you need to reach everybody in your community. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? But then he says this. It's also like, here's a second metaphor. It's like the dew of Hermon, which is the highest place. Descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. It is the dew. It descends upon the mountain. What does it do as it descends upon the mountain? The dew descends upon the mountain. Flows down the mountain and nourishes everything else. So I thought that I would just get a spray gun and just hose you all down today. But this is the year of joy. There we go. All right, now wait. How many have ever been anointed with bubbles? This has never been done before. Well, lift your hands. Lift your hands. And say, I receive the anointing of the Lord. I receive the anointing of joy. I receive unity. I release those who have offended me. I forgive them. I set them free. I ask you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus. By the, Holy By the Holy Spirit, loose me, loose me from, the trap from the trap of offense. Of offense. Loose, me loose me from the trap. Of the trap. Jesus. Amen. Wait, wait. You don't know. You don't know. I didn't just put bubbles in here. I also put oil in here. So there's oil in the bubbles. We put oil in. The Bible says, "If you have any sick among you, anoint them with oil." in the prayer of faith will say, "I'm starting something right now." Is that fun? Re- come on, reach up and grab a bubble. Reach up. Wait, wait. Some of you are grabbing bubbles, but you're still hanging on to your anger and your hurt come on release your anger come on release your there you go release your anger release it say it I release it it. call somebody by name and say I release them in the name of Jesus